Hello there, chaps and chapesses. It's Chappie, the British butler, with a keep a calm and cauliflower, keep calm and cauliflower, keep calm and that cauliflower cheese. It's episode, um, uh, gosh, I've lost count. Uh, episode number 14 in our uh, encyclopedic podcast banter, boshing with the banter, wrestling with the banter, jousting with the banter. Every week, sometimes uh, we actually have, uh, sometimes we actually have it twice a week. So, if you're lucky, you get a bumper bonanza position, uh, podcast edition like last week, where you had a special little indulgent 4th of July special, along with uh, a podcast beforehand, which covered uh, the sadness of Wimbledon not happening. We looked at the farting golfer and recreated the farting golfer, much to high demand we may be having the farting golfer back again uh on this edition of the podcast um for you you out there who haven't heard this rather flatulent delight of uh you know stepping up to the tee and letting rip in your white trousers so anyway listen back to uh keep coming cauliflower cheese edition 12 and 13 if you want to indulge in that. So some of the things that we may or may not um, be uh, talking about in the uh, during the course of the uh, podcast over the next hour or so. Wine o'clock, why some alcohol could be good for your brain. French chefs in a stew about museum, museum coronavirus failure. So that's going to sort of um, segue into uh, a little... Uh, uh, tales from La Campagna, tales from the French countryside with my uncle, who's actually um, trying to get uh, some of the French natives to move out to the countryside where they can sample his culinary delights. You dirty rat, there's a bit of rodent in all of us. Treasure plunders leave winchlessly cricket pitch in ruins. Let hedges grow to cut pollution. Um, and why Dolgana coffee is suddenly very popular indeed. Um, we're going to have maybe a new entry into the uh, Urban Dictionary, uh, a sort of anonymous new ent- entry, but let, let me see what you folks out there think about that. The truffle farmer is now giving away his luxury crop for free. Uh, man, listen, hold your horses, everybody. Man puts bread under Kiev's to capture leakage and make garlic bread. Woohoo! Uh, human teeth evolved 400 million years ago in a strange armoured fish and the uh, taekwondo ace snuffs out candles in uh, in the martial arts stunt so anyway we're going to be uh, having some of our usual features as i said we're going to have tales from the campagna we're going to have a little bit of scallywag darts where we go and uh, delve into the gutter press mainly in the uk and uh, come up with some of the uh, most heinous crimes in terms of tabloid headlines some of them uh, probably need to be uh, x-rated uh, but we'll see what uh, you lovely lads and lasses think about that um, so we're going to be delving into um, you know some delicious food it's absolutely stinking steaming hot here uh, in Denver today, a hundred degrees. Don't go out there without any shoes on. I never wear the flip flops. Uh, not really my bag, baby. I do like a uh, a boat shoe and a deck shoe, but never the flip flops. I just can't handle that 
thin piece of plastic or leather that's wedged between the toes. It's rubbing up and down on the toes and it's not a very pleasant feeling. I just cannot handle the flip-flops. And then the ones that don't have that, they're always slipping off when you get wet in the pool or the beach or if you're having a little paddle. Um, yeah, those, those slip off as well. So the boat shoes are absolutely fantastic. You don't slip over. They last a very long time. Look very, very classy. Now, if you have a, you know, if you if a butler uh, wears his traditional outfit, um, which is you know normally a morning coat, a very pressed, starched white shirt, bow tie, black trousers. I don't think there's a cummerbund normally, but maybe on a special occasions. But when we roll up the uh, roll up the uh, the trouser legs, we don't want to um, you know have a flip flop. As, as a foot attire we really uh, need need to up up it up a little, up a little bit a little bit more classy and have a um a boat shoe now they come in various sizes uh, you'll be surprised uh, at how uh, elegant and delightful they are um, but absolutely uh, fantastic and uh, a really special addition to any butler's outfit i would say so I think we're going to have a little bit of a field trip outside uh, Chappie Towers today. And uh, we're going to attempt to cook a full English breakfast uh, on the uh, on the cement, on the paving outside. It's about 100 degrees. It's probably about 120. So I think, what do you think? Perfect to cook some sausages, maybe some bacon, uh, some uh, blood pudding. Let's just have a look here. Let's just see. Let's get the pan going. A bit of oil in the pan here. All right. So we've got some... A little bit of oil in the pan here. Uh, well, uh, I think what we'll do first is uh, add the bacon and uh, add, you know and some sausages there um, into the steaming hot pan. Yep, let's just, just cook that a little bit. Yep, and you just move it around here move it around in the pan a little bit I think we just need to make sure it's not overcooking here add some tomatoes I think we've got some we got some mushrooms going here as well let's get the mushrooms and tomatoes going in the pan as well that would be absolutely delicious here uh, yeah, move that sausage around a little bit yeah move make sure you move the sausage around ladies and mantelpieces and uh, well uh, all right let's yeah, and just move over the bacon slightly and um, so we've got, we've got the eggs here, sunny side up when it comes to the eggs. We'll put those in as well. And uh, some delicious congealed blood pudding. We'll put that in there. That may need to cook a bit longer. That's one for all you Americans out there. And for anybody not from the UK, wonderful congealed blood pudding. So uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll add that to the pan as well. Get some baked beans going on the side here. That would be absolutely fantastic as well, I think. Baked beans on the side. Yeah, let's move that around a little bit. Yeah, I don't think the... Yep, we don't want the sausage sticking to the bottom of the pan. That We definitely don't want that there. Well, all right, there we go. So I think, you know what? I think a pan, and then and then if you actually have the... Uh, if you have the, the, you know, on the sidewalk as well, you can, you can cook and actually cook a full English breakfast. All you need now is a little bit of HP sauce, House of the Parliament sauce, is rather brown tangy sauce that you can get. A little bit like ketchup, but a little bit more oomph, a little bit of va-va-voom uh, in HP sauce, and you add that to the full English. So again, 
couple of sunny side eggs, um, you know, we cooked on the pavement. A little bit of bacon and sausage in the pan on the pavement as well. Uh, we've got some baked beans on the side there. Some congealed blood pudding, absolutely delicious. Spicy blood in there. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, probably some fried bread to, to finish with some HP sauce. Uh, you might be a brown sauce or a, or a tomato sauce fan, whatever whatever the preference. But it does work, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I may have salmonella. I may be uh, in the garderobe all night having tums and maybe some gabascon. But uh, it, absolutely delicious here. Just uh, dipping my uh, piece of toast into the egg. Uh, rather fabulous. Try it whenever you have a chance. So we just uh, finished the summer solstice. And I do like a good historical mystery. I uh, really love a, a, a good uh, historical mystery. Absolutely fantastic. Um, the mystery altar of Stonehenge sinks ancient Ra theory. Medieval lore has it that the site foreman for Stonehenge was Merlin, the wizard of Arthurian legend, who is said to use the magic to transport its towering monoliths from Ireland. Now, fresh evidence now supports a more down-to-earth theory that an important part of the monument was hauled from Salisbury Plain some 5,000 years ago via a Stonehenge highway that now follows the A40 um, between Salisbury Plain and Stonehenge in the UK. The provenance of Stonehenge has been debated for centuries. The source of the large grey green stones called uh, sarsens that form the most visible part of the monument is no mystery they come from southern wiltshire the blue stones a collection of smaller pillars that now stand in a rough circle are more exotic they mostly come from west wales in 1923 the geologist hh thomas showed that most of the blue stones came from Priscilla, uh, which is an area of uh, western pembrokeshire and uh, widely assumed that the oldest stone came from milford haven However, a new analysis of microscopic structure in the Journal of Archaeological Science in the UK shows that the altar stone is more likely to come from a hundred miles further east in Abergavenny in Wales, just a few miles, which is now the English border. According to Richard Bevans, the National Museum of Wales in Cardiff, who led the study, this discovery sh uh, should influence the debate over how the blue stone travelled. It had previously been thought that they had been on rafts in Milford Haven and floated east up the Bristol Channel and upriver to Avonmouth. Uh, according to Rob Axer of the University College of London, co-author of the paper, the evidence has now been totally destroyed, the Rath theory. It now appears that the blue stones were taken from the northern flanks of Priscilla, uplands to West Wales, getting them to the seashore of Milford Haven that would involve dragging them up a steep hill. A more likely explanation that the stones from West Wales were hauled east via a flatter land route to a narrow point in the Severn River, somewhere near Gloucester. They would have rafted across again, being overhauled over land. The obvious route is taken by the A40 into Wales, then southeast. The newly fixed provenance of the altar stone fits the idea well. The route was now passed through Abergavenny. Uh, say that after a few jars. Dr. Ixa suspects that the local groups moved the stones for relatively short distances before passing them to the next clan, and he likes to think that even each handover took place amid a carnival atmosphere. It may have been put uh, part of celebration. You did your part and passed it on. So it's like almost like a, a uh, ancient world, a dark ages passing of the baton. But instead of passing a baton, you're passing a two-ton stone uh, from, one, uh, from one tribe to the other. Now, in today's modern age, with so much uh, infighting and um, uh, debate about culture, um, obviously, uh, the debate that's raging 
all around the world between right side of politics, left side of politics. I don't think I don't think people could get together these days and, and, and build such a fantastic monument because they wouldn't be able to pass. Nobody would want to pass a baton. You know, you'd have to hand sanitize your hands before handling the stones. You'd have to keep six foot distance from each other. It'd be an absolute nightmare. So I don't think Stonehenge could be built these days uh, for a variety of reasons. But nobody wants to get along anymore. So anyway, there we go. That is the uh, a mystery solved about the rafting of the stones from Stonehenge. So there is a big debate at the moment about getting people back into theatres, uh, art shows, art galleries and everything else. And um, there was a lovely article in the London Times, Rebirth of Venus, Can the Goddess of Beauty Lure Us Back to the Gallery? Well, I don't know if uh, a portrait of Venus could lure you back to a gallery, but this description absolutely could. It's absolutely delightful, slightly uh, slightly thought-provoking, a little bit naughty, uh, possibly raunchy, very suggestive. Here she is, a high point of the exhibition, presented as if for your eyes only in a small panel painting, like a flawless pearl in its black velvet box. Long, bright strands of hair escape from the clasp to wander about her. A filigree of gold. She stands, not quite full on, posed with balletic grace and naked, but for a little jeweled collar and then the flimsiest wisp of cloth that she holds with one hand at her waist. It falls into a swoop, barely covering the nudity that is translucent gossamer does little to conceal. Well, there we go. If that doesn't get back you get you back to the gallery, uh, nothing will. But one of the beautiful little words in there that I was thinking about um, was uh, wisp. It's an absolutely fantastic word, and it makes me think of the late great Kenneth Williams and that wonderful show, Willow the Wisp. A little bit of nostalgia for you right now. It was like a 1982 cartoon, but I almost imagine myself. This is like if the if the water suddenly gets cold, um, you know, from a steaming hot shower, and then the and then the water suddenly gets cold. That, that this would be perfect music. It's like tentatively on tiptoes here, trying to get out the shower, absolutely freezing, tippy toes. Here we go. It's, Chappy the butler on tippy toes here, trying to find a towel, absolutely freezing cold, the hot water's gone, where's the soap, the soap in my eye, and everywhere else, and I don't know where I'm going. Anyway, a little bit of Willow the Wisp there, again, an absolutely fantastic word. My challenge for you out there, ladies and gentlemen, is to somehow get the word wisp into your life this coming week. Everybody, there was a little bit of a cliffhanger last week because I left you in a bit of a rush at the end of the podcast and um, we had my uh, faithful hounds, George and Jack, giving a little sausage eating competition. We're trying out a Cumberland sausage versus the Wiener hot dog um, as well and a bratwurst. Now, I left it. They had been, they'd gobbled it all up. Everything was clean as a whistle on the plate there. And... Um, Anyway, the winner, the slight winner, the slight winner was the very large, slightly or very well seasoned Cumberland sausage. So in our terms of our sort of 4th of July battle, 
the uh, the hot dog did very well. I mean, come on, they're dogs. They're going to eat any sausage. But I think the Cumberland sausage got full marks. I think they'll go back for seconds. And um, that is the winner for this week, the Cumberland sausage. So just to let you know, that was a, a lot of people did contact me and ask me which sausage had won the Battle of the uh, Transatlantic Sausage Competition. So uh, Wimbledon should be coming to a crescendo, but uh, alas, the uh, All England Championships were cancelled uh, this year. Um, but there was a, a nice little uh, breakdown uh, on the BBC about things that were miss uh, from the All England Club this year. Um, because they have to wait a whole year till it starts up again. Uh, number one, we had the celeb spotting. Obviously, the uh, centre court crowds and number one court crowds uh, uh, completely scattered and, uh, and wonderful um, array of uh, famous faces from music to the arts to sport scattered across the whole of the crowd at Centre Court. And then um, our very British preoccupation of the weather. I mean, rain stops play is, is probably one of the most uh, famous phrases in British sport, I would say. And the weather is a great gift to British conversationalists. Will it be a glorious British summer? Will the retractable roofs be in play? It's still okay to drink pims in a downpour. Absolutely, just water it down a little bit. Have a slightly stronger glass of pims and let the rain water it down. It's the kind of jeopardy that makes live tennis in British summer such a thrilling prospect. Another one waiting to see what Serena will uh, wear in terms of fashion. Um, she's had some absolutely uh, absolute shockers over the years, um, and then of course the uh, the bad boy, the John, the Australian version of John McEnroe, uh, Nick Kyrgios, saying something absolutely outrageous, uh, known as the bad boy of tennis. And then you've got the uh, Federer fans, who surely must be coming to an end. I mean, Federer has been playing since 2001. I actually saw Federer play in his first Wimbledon. And that was uh, nearly, nearly 20 years ago. So Federer has been coming for 20 years. And then just generally dreaming about centre court tickets. I mean, one of the great um, pleasures of Wimbledon. I mean, it's great to get tickets, I'm sure. Never have done. Uh, my mother actually missed. Uh, she had centre court ticket final to the Bourne McEnroe uh, contest in 1980, which is one of the seminal contests, I think, at Wimbledon. Um, but the, the, the actual queuing up, very British thing as well, queuing up, is uh, is a delight. The sort of people you meet, you get your little tent set up, you're out all night, uh, you know, some wonderful beverage, make sure you take a, a nice uh, warm thermos flask of uh, a hot tea. Uh, no sugar, of course, and a dash of milk, as I always say. Um, but these are things that are going to miss. Absolutely delightful uh, place to go, um, Wimbledon, uh, you know, and take advantage of the, uh, the queuing up and meet some fabulous people. And, uh, and the memories will definitely last forever. So maybe they're not the, the most great um, image or um, I don't know if there's a work on a podcast, but we had the, uh, the big Mount Rushmore speech by uh, Donald Trump last week. And there's a rather lovely picture, um, and it hasn't been photoshopped, of, uh, of, of Trump's fist. He sort of leant over slightly with his fist, almost like he's holding something. And um, you've got uh, Abraham Lincoln behind, uh, looking quite discerning, I have to say, uh, with, uh, with Trump's fist uh, right by that. And he's sort of leaning over, and they look like they're both having a good time, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, so anyway, look out for that picture. I think it should be made into a T-shirt. And uh, one of the most wondrous things that happened last week, I'd say, 
the uh, the uh, let, dare I say the Trump Abraham Lincoln encounter. Look up the picture and you'll know exactly what I mean. So, as you know, it was Liberation Day uh, last weekend in the UK. Um, everybody going down the boozer. Everybody uh, having one or two uh, many libations. Uh, but there's a wonderful piece. Uh, Britain's biggest hangover is happening right now. After four grueling months without our favorite boozer, it's a historic moment uh, where pubs opened again. You get pub grub, booze, everything else. So we're going to have some of our top hangover cures here and we've got super nice according to the nhs website bouillon bouillon soup a vegetable based broth is great for the fragile stomach to digest it is a good source of minerals and vitamins to boost your systems back up and then we've got the all-in-one if a good old fry-up hasn't got you um a writer's rain take a swig of revitalizing overhang drink instead and you'll be right on your way it contains several ingredients to kickstart your day such as ginger burdock milk thistle and raspberry leaf and then we've got the sporting chance the lucas aid sport or the gatorade fantastic hangover cure down that before you go to bed don't milk it this might come as a surprise but some doctors suggest a milkshake as a hangover cure i mean i've tried the um i've tried the guinness and the baileys and it curdles anything milky would curdle on an upset hungover stomach i would imagine um so that's what we have so we'll just have a little a little summary here we've got the uh bouillon soup uh the soup broth we've got the uh overhang drink We've got the uh, LucasAid or the uh, GatorAid Sport. Uh, some uh, wise guy mentioned a milkshake. Um, but I think best of all, the best hangover cure, why don't you just take some painkillers or maybe some Nurofen, ibuprofen. That will cure you. Not off. So the mercury is rising, 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 rising. I mean, it keeps going up. Uh, 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 uh. As I said earlier, we can like you know fry some bacon sausages, have a full English going on there. Um, I don't think it's coming down anytime soon. It's just gonna go up, 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 up and away. So. One of the most beautiful things we, we have, cricket is back, ladies and gentlemen. A little, a little cricket scene playing in the background here. And, uh, and I, I think this is the most, one of the best things that have happened. Um, cricket clubs should change admittance by the hour since they're providing therapy for the dyspeptic and shelter for the aromatic. The sport ought to be considered one of the, uh, one of the lesser key worker services, essential to the mood and temperament of households across the country. The season finally gets away, uh, underway on Wednesday, um, this last Wednesday with the first test between England and the West Indies starting at the Rose Bowl in Southampton. County cricket is in three weeks and behind it, um, things will run easier now with Sky Sports on the corner or Test Match Special playing in the background, the over by over on the desktop, life will be a little bit better for those people who love the game and a little more bearable for those 
to live with them. There's a, a wonderful passage in the, uh, in the Duncan Hamilton book, the new book, and it's actually called um, One, uh, One Long uh, and Beautiful Summer, where he describes the attempt to self-medicate his depression by taking a spur-of-the-moment trip to New Road to watch Sachin Tendulkar bat in a warm-up match between India and Worcestershire in 2002. The whim on which had been much disguised a little dip desperation, Hamilton writes, every turning in life seemed to be the wrong one. Often the black dog meant there was no recognizable shape to my life. Everything was warped somehow, like the reflection in a fairground mirror. Heading to Worcester to watch Sachin Tendulkar was my search for a cure. Having successfully used cricket as pharmacy before, I was doing it again. And I, I honestly feel the same way. There is something, you know, rather soothing about the Lever and Willow game. It's, it's, it's absolutely, uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've been probably watching cricket since the early 80s. The first memory I have is of both of them match in 81. And it's, it's an absolute delight. Played in many places around the world. It's, uh, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a really, 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 really fun game. And I absolutely uh, adore it. Um, so that was the, the, uh, the, the Hamilton book, which is absolutely uh, uh, delightful. Um, but cricket is shaped by forces of nature. The season starts in spring, a time of renewal, and ends in September with the conkers on the ground and wood smoke in the air. It charts an emotional course from hope to melancholy. And I think it's perfect as we reflect, obviously with the coronavirus being stuck indoors for many, many weeks. It's an absolute tonic to have cricket back. Um, it's Cricket's emotional weather, as much as the climactic conditions that sets it apart. A game that takes six hours to unfold each day for five days at a stretch in test cricket offers plenty of scope for reflection. Conversations tend to meander, way leading on to way. These ruminative pleasures run counter to the spirit of our triumphantly demotic age. Sometimes it seems that unless everything is immediately understood by everybody, there has been an assault on democracy. The popular, however vulgar, is trivial, is venerated above the, above the accumulated wisdom of the years. And that little passage comes from Michael Henderson's book, That Will Be England Gone which I know I've mentioned in the podcast before. It's an absolutely uh, ph phenomenal read. But, I mean, one of the best sounds here is, is, uh, is the cricket bat. It's, a, it's the leather on the willow. And let's just, just let's ruminate and enjoy that. Oh, that's fantastic. That beautiful sound right in the middle of the bat there, I think, uh, on that occasion, definitely. So, um, again, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. We've got a few more items. We're going to be running a little bit longer. So uh, all of you like the bumper edition, uh, you, you're in for a real treat. So I know, I know we all love a little bit of good news on a Friday afternoon. One o'clock, why some alcohol could be good for your brain. Some good news to raise a glass to. Just as pubs have reopened, a new study has found that moderate drinking could be beneficial to our brain. The medical journal JAMA Network opened followed nearly 20,000 people who were middle-aged or older for a period of nine years, measuring their measured, their mental state, word recall and vocabulary. Those who uh, are low to moderate drinking habits, fewer than eight drinks a week for women and fewer than 15 drinks for men, were associated with higher 
cognition scores in all three areas compared with teetotalers as well as those with significantly lower rates of mental decline so there we go enjoy your little tipple and we're not talking a whole uh, flagon of booze um, but uh, a little bit of what you like now and again uh, really does you a a lot of good uh, according to this new medical study Oh, welcome. Viva la France. Welcome to the French countryside. Tales of la Campagne. My rascalous uncle. Delving around, foraging around for fruits of his labor. Who knows what? Maybe another gin and tonic or uh, maybe a little bit of a flirtatious fancy with a French filly. Who knows? Um, but he brought to my attention the how French chefs are in a stew about the museum coronavirus failure. A museum held as a temple to French's gastronomy when it opened nine months ago is to close with the economic downturn. The City Internationale de Gastronomie in Lyon was intended to showcase the French culinary arts seen by the nation as its unique contribution to uh, to world culture and French culture. But the 14.5 million euro project got off to a uh, very, very, uh, very, very bad start when the Spanish group that was chosen to oversee it, raising fears among the French that its heritage would be undermined by foreign management at its launch. The Progress newspaper said the choice of management sticks to the throat and it was denial of local know-how. The centre opened in October to an optimistic claims would attract 300,000 visitors at a price of €12 um, per visitor. However, it only had 150,000 visitors and many of them didn't pay because they were part of school trips. The Spanish managers um, blamed and faced difficulties that made it precarious and particularly vulnerable to the sudden crisis and its repercussions. Like too many cultural actors in France and Europe, the Cité has been heavily affected by the coronavirus crisis. Organizers in Lyon have blamed Magma for the failure. However, Regis Macron, a Michelin-starred French chef, who's a figurehead of the project, there was an absence of the clarity. The uh, exhibition did not have popular appeal and it lacked uh, a guiding principle. There was not enough cuisine, I'm sorry. Uh, the museum was pretentious and confused. Anyway, probably the worst French accent ever. But my uncle mentioned this and he wants to draw people away uh, from Lyon. He wants to draw people away from Lyon And he has his own tasting menu. He has his own delicious tasting menu uh, in the Loire Valley. And uh, uh, this is is what's on the menu. A wild boar stew. Now, you know what? I think I would actually quite enjoy the wild boar stew. A rabbit pate. And uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, I think the delight on the menu for him is a a little uh, tapeworm capaccia washed down with a flagon of gin and tonic and uh, a sweaty socks shandy. So there's a little piece in the news in the week uh, in the UK. Hedgerows should be restored to pre-war level uh, to help Britain achieve its target of carbon neutrality by 2050 campaign, as it say. Uh, a report released by the Campaign to Protect Rural England argues that the restoration of the nation's hedgerows would help to reduce carbon emissions by capturing greenhouse gases. So, I mean, I think that's one thing. But I think what we could also do 
and I and I and I hazard a guess that this would actually help reduction of greenhouse gases. I think we need to start growing the bush again to 70s, uh, 70 star level, 70 star pawn levels. So grow the bush, grow the armpit hair, maybe braid the armpit hair. Men and women, this is for, and I think this will stop uh, pollution. So a little bit of afro up and down the body, I think, will stop greenhouse gases and help pollution. Now, I don't know if the beard, the, you know, the sudden fascination of uh, the beardy weirdies out there is helping greenhouse gases, but I think growing armpit hair and uh, growing a full bush again may be the answer to all of our pollution problems. Oh, ladies and mantelpieces, welcome to Scallywag Darts where we delve into the gutter press and we look at some of the most heinous crimes in terms of the gutter press and articles of the week. And uh, we see uh, who's missed the board, who's got a triple uh, 20, who's got the bullseye and Chappie's special prize. I mean, I think I've got a couple here that uh, probably missed the board this week. Uh, truffle farmer is now giving away his luxury crop for free, giving truffles away for free. I don't know. I would just put it in the truffle oil. All, uh, all the chefs uh, have to stain over truffle oil. Uh, man puts bread under Kiev's to capture leakage and make garlic bread. I mean, did, are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna actually call this guy an absolute genius or not? Because I think uh, you know putting bread under chicken Kiev's to catch the garlic butter. I mean, I've, I've been doing that for twenty years, so that's definitely a board miss, I would say. Um, and then the Taekwondo A snuffs out candles in martial arts stunt. You've got a guy who's swiveling around doing his black belt, jujitsu and martial arts. And uh, he's actually uh, snuffing out candles. Now, I just lick my fingers and, 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 and snuff out the candle that way. I don't know. So that's uh, definitely a, a miss, I would say. Um, and uh, I think we actually have our uh, maybe our triple 20 here. Hand sanitizer. Uh, gives bloke a huge and unusual hangover uh, despite being too total so who knows i mean you could probably start um get mixing hand sanitizers you can maybe have a peach schnapps hand sanitizer pina colada sanitizer uh maybe you could have a little bit of gin and tonic uh, hand sanitizer and a nice uh, thick and uh, creamy uh, bailey's hand sanitizer i think that'd be absolutely fantastic so i think that's our uh, our triple 20 um, and then uh, I think we've got our bullseye of the week. Uh, woman whips off her trousers on a US beach and uh, defecates on the beach during a live news report. So woman whips off her trousers, does a number two on the beach with, um, with somebody actually recording uh, the whole thing on live television. And that's our bullseye of the week. Um, and then I think we've got uh, Chappie's... Uh, yes, we have Chappie's uh, special uh, special prize uh, for this week. Uh, we've got a company that is launch launching an artificial in intelligence sex toy that allows drivers to receive oral sex behind the wheel. Well, finally, we have a, a hands-free AI device uh, for those who are very talented with the stick shift. And it seems everybody is moving, uh, moving to automatic away from manual. So it is an Englishman's duty to uh, sip tea uh, during the hottest day of the year. As I said, I cooked a fried breakfast on the, uh, on the, uh, on the pavement and the sidewalk earlier outside the house. Um, but probably a, uh, uh, a little song 
um, that really fits the mood, but is highly politically incorrect, as I delved into it earlier. I was trying to remember the words earlier, so I had to look it up. Uh, is uh, is a little uh, little ditty. Uh, Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. In tropical climes, there are certain times of day when all the citizens retire to take their clothes off and perspire. It's one of those rules the greatest fools obey because the sun is far too sultry and one must avoid his ultraviolet rays. Though the English are quite a feat, they're quite impervious to heat. In the mongrove swamps where the python romps, there is a peace from twelve to two. Even caribou lay around and snooze, for there's nothing else to do. In Bengal to move at all is seldom, if ever, done. But mad dogs and Englishmen go out, go out, go out in the midday sun. So... We're going to introduce a new feature over the coming weeks here, and it's called Banter Banality. So, first world problems, obviously, people texting all the time, Snapchatting, everything else, and talking about things that are really banal, uh, really probably not concern, and probably really a, fir- really a, a first world concern, uh, without a doubt. And so I was texting uh, with a uh, workmate of myself, um, another butler, of course, who's, who's pressing his suit and starching his collar and getting his knotted handkerchief ready to go. And uh, he did ask me, uh, uh, "Good day, sir. Have you ever washed boat shoes?" And uh, I, uh, I did, I did reply, and I, and I, and I thought, you know, he said he got his, you know, very wet and muddy, and he asked if he should ask another butler, Danny, how he cleans his black shoes from 1936. So and and I uh, I did uh, I did respond where I think the you know possibly the best way to clean a, a pair of boat shoes is uh, is is probably some uh, you know polish it up with a little bit of ration butter from the war and uh, maybe some of the furism starch wax I think that's probably what you're going to have to do um, a damp cloth will get the mud off uh, and it'll let it dry first brush it off and uh, and, and then here's there you go Charlie uh, wonderful clean uh, boat shoe absolutely fantastic so of course with all sport coming out of lockdown um, they started showing live sport and they're pumping in uh, like sounds of the audience applause the crowds that you'd normally get at uh, football matches soccer games um, the same with the golf and same with the cricket as well you know and they're playing it in the background a little little gentle ripple of applause in the background or cheers no um no i hear nothing yet where it's uh mashed potato get in the hole or any of that uh, nonsense on the pga golf but i mean we all like a little bit of applause and i i think that we need to start you know in this day and age where we're being pulled apart on twitter um and across all social media we really need our own little sort of applause you know you know, we really need to, uh, you know, bring our own soundtrack, our positive soundtrack to our daily lives here. And uh, we need uh, probably a little bit of a maybe maybe a house band uh, to, uh, to, you know, to, to punctuate everything that we have. You know, something along those lines. Or maybe we need a, like a drum roll to our joke, potentially. Um, or uh, when we make a joke, uh, uh, possibly a comedy trombone. And then uh, much back to popular demand, Ian Poulter from last week. 
there we go. I don't think I'll ever be allowed to do that again. But uh, for all you missed, it's the farting golfer uh, from uh, from last week. So you know, get your own house band. We need to punctuate our jokes. We need to be more positive. Get our own soundtrack to our lives, and uh, to imitate and uh, hopefully give us much po- much more pos- positivity moving forward. So we've passed the solstice, but uh, I mean, it's sort of funny to me that we have the solstice um, in June. Uh, when probably now into the early part of August, we're right into the heat in midsummer. So I always think it comes a little bit early. So wanted to reminisce and uh, share a lovely little poem by a new poet, Caroline Duffy, called Midsummer Night. Not there to see midsummer's midnight rose open and bloom me, or there when the river dressed in turquoise under the moon, you not there when stones softened, opened, showed the fossils they held, or there, us, when the dark sky fell to the earth to gather its smell. Not there when a strange bird sang on a branch over your heads, you and me. Or there when a starlit fruit ripened itself on a tree. Not there to line the grass of our graves, both alive, alive, oh. There for Shakespeare's shooting star, or for who we are. But elsewhere... Far, not there for the magic hour, when time becomes love, or there's light's pale hand to slip slender from the darkness glove. Not there when our young ghosts called us from the other side, or there when the heron's rags were silver gown by grace of light. Not there to be right, to find our souls, we dropped our silks in the ground, or there to be found by ourselves, you, me, mirrored in water, not there for constellations spell themselves in the sky and black rhyme with white or to see petals fold on a rose like a kiss on a midsummer's night. Well, thank you very much. That's an absolutely lovely poem, isn't it? Um, one I discovered in the week when I was... I actually do do some preparation research for the show, believe it or not. Uh, so that was it. That's a wrap. Uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode number 14. Thank you very much. It's Chappy, the British butler, out. Um, but I just want to end, and I'll be back next week uh, with a lovely little portal of whimsy and uh, nostalgia, uh, some humour, some poetry, uh, some nonsense um, coming with you. Uh, over the course of the next week uh, look for me on twitter keep cheese i'm on spotify i'm on itunes iHeartRadio, tune in all of the major portals but i want to end you on this which is comes from one of my favorite little uh sites uh on twitter very british problems and uh, we, we have a weather report coming in uh, probably not the weather report here for denver which is sunny hot boiling hot but the weather report here in the uk or most most for most places in the uk Grey, without breaks of grey, turning more grey as the day goes on with dark grey to look forward to later. Cheerio.